The Start On Demand. It's time for Psychology in the City with Dr. Raymond Abdul-Rahman. And today we're going to be talking a bit about diversity. And Dr. Uh, Abdul-Rahman, it's always great to see you. Uh, this is a conversation that's very apropos for today as we are, uh, we're witnessing and uh, disseminating the information that's coming down from Stats Canada yeah. on immigration and the changing face of, of Canada. Maybe we could just start by talking about, you know, are we doing enough to address diversity? Is it something that needs to be addressed or is it something uh, that happens if we allow it to maybe let's get into that a bit. I, I think generally speaking, uh, you know, I think we're generally complacent as a society when it comes to issues of diversity and inclusion. Um, I think most of them because we think we've done enough. In the 80s, we adopted this concept of Canada being multicultural. And now that we have that label, we think we're this postcard of diverse people. And that's not necessarily the truth. I mean, 67% of people in a recent poll in 2016 actually think that uh, immigrants should be screened for anti-Canadian values. That's 67%. That does not reflect that postcard of a mosaic that we thought of I always ourselves. found that a really good grade, 67%. Yeah. So I would say that's a high number. It's a scary number. <laughs> so right? It is. Yeah. Um, so I think what's happened is we've moved towards this concept of complacency. We think everything is okay. We'd rather think of ourselves as all the same. And so we hush-hush any discussions about differences. You know, shh-shh. We're all okay. We're not noticing color. We're not noticing. Well, we do have differences, and but that's what makes us who we are. That's how we grow as individuals. That's how we grow as society, and that's how we grow as institutions. Well, Dr. Abdul Raymond, and first, if I could just get you to pull that microphone up just a touch. You got it. Um, you're a psychologist from Clinic Psychology, Manitoba. As far as the psychology behind that mentality, where we're where we're trying to hush that part of the conversation, is that is that a reflection of? The fact that we're getting better, or is that a reflection of we're afraid to let the world know that maybe we're not as diverse as we think? Yeah, you know, I had this discussion last night. It's interesting. We we think we're really diverse, and I think the psychology of it is there's a lot of fear fear behind it. You know, there's always people in the world who can be malicious and want to use fear and hatred to kind of, you know, be divisive. But generally speaking, I would argue that many people who have discriminatory views often don't hold realistic views about different people from different backgrounds. Uh, if they were actually to challenge them, then we find that you know their behavior and their feelings shift. Um, this discussion we were having last night, it's interesting, we were talking about being more inclusive about celebrating holidays. Um, and the discussion that was being had was that, well, why should we celebrate different holidays here in Canada when nobody else in the world does it? And I was wondering, I wonder if this person had traveled much around the world. Because if you go to other parts of the world, let's say you go to the United Arab Emirates in the Middle East, which is a predominantly Muslim country uh, with a few expats here and there, go at Christmas time, there are giant Christmas trees everywhere. When do we have a giant menorah? you know, a star of David, you know, uh, green lights for Eid, you know, lights up for Diwali, big Chinese red lanterns. We don't have that. And so I think what that says is that in our practice, we're not often as diverse, as inclusive as we want to be. On paper, we are, but we don't follow through with that. And that's the next step of where we need to go. So that's, I think that's uh, similar to a lot of our relationships, right? Our mm -hmm. personal relationships where, oh, well, we don't really need to talk about that. Like, I mean, we're shy to talk about finances with the people we're closest with. We're, yeah. we're, we're you know, we're, we're still uh, shy to talk about sex with our, with our yeah. partners at times and our wants and our needs. So if we have that much trouble within our own household, yeah. it doesn't shock me that it, we have difficulty talking about things with people that are 
different from us, looking yeah. or otherwise. Yeah. On a side note, we should talk about sex with that theme song but, uh, <laughs> at some point in time. But but you know the truth the truth is that diversity is about the relationships that we have. And if we were to think about the relationships we have with people we really care about uh, in our romantic lives we wouldn't tolerate them. Like they, we don't succeed in relationships by tolerating people, you know, like tolerate, I'll just tolerate you. And I'll just talk about myself all of the time. You know, I love you. I'm in a relationship with you, but I'm only going to celebrate the things that are important to me. You know, wow, that would be a really bad relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, we tend to do that. Um, that's something we need to shift. Now, uh, one of the reasons why we're, we're talking about this is a situation in Quebec. Quebec government looks to be on a collision course with Montreal universities and junior colleges over Bill 62, which would prohibit students from covering their face in class. Uh, the justice minister there said last week that people riding the bus would have to do so for the entire journey with their face uncovered, but she later backtracked on that. Um, so when we, we talk about trying to to improve our diversity, this strikes me as something that's kind of going back in time. Yeah, I think what, what listeners don't know is we're doing this conversation today with all of our faces covered, but, uh, <laughs> um, and you can hear us just fine. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> There, there is a, there is a real concern about what they call about neutrality. When we start to edit out our experiences as people, we remove a diversity in thought, and that's ultimately what this is about. That's a really dangerous thing because growth comes from diverse thinking, from different perspectives. The moment we move towards this quote unquote neutrality, we remove this opportunity, this motivation, this inspiration for growth. Imagine if the only thing we had, you know, we think about this in terms of, um, you know, if we have an organization, there's only one organization that does something, there's no motivation to grow, right? The moment we introduce competition into an environment, including in business, we now have growth, we have inspiration, we have motivation. The same thing is true for thought and the same thing is true for diversity. You know, the research actually shows that even in non-diverse settings, if we don't introduce if we don't introduce diversity, let's say into a predominantly white setting, those people are more likely to have an, a false sense of increased self worth, um, and are less likely to understand perspectives from other people. So, this concept of diversity does not just make people from diverse backgrounds feel welcome. Um, it actually starts to limit people even in a majority setting in terms of their growth. And uh, it creates this narcissism, unfortunately. What what uh, I have a hard time wrapping my brain around, I think I said this to you early this morning, Brett, was the idea that this is happening in Quebec. Mm-hmm. The culture that versus the rest of Canada feels the most discriminated against, uh, the least appreciated and least understood. Mm-hmm. And yet here within this microculture within Canada that we call Canada, uh, Quebec is 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 trying to, to set these rules and these boundaries and to create this, as you mentioned, neutrality. And if, if this was happening to the French language, this neutrality over neutrality uh, being imposed over the French language, they'd be up in arms. Well, the, well, I think what's important to remember is there's also diversity there too, right? Like there was a, a group of lawmakers that kind of pulled this bill in. And interesting, in Quebec, there's protests over this as well, too. So I think it's important to remember that not all Quebecers are oh, of for course. This, right? so just the fact that the yeah. government would, would, that would even be yeah. going down this road in this jurisdiction is, uh, yeah. is boggling to and, me. And what that says is that bias does not just exist 
in a majority setting. That bias can exist in minority settings as well too. And that allows us to actually talk more openly about concepts of bias. You know, people feel really anxious. There's a real anxiety about talking about this issue because people feel like they can be attacked. If you're in a majority, you feel like, oh my God, you know, I didn't do anything wrong. It's not my fault. But so we have to think about it's not being personal. But also if you're in a, mi- if you're in a minority setting or if you are a minority, there's also a tension about bringing this up because you feel un- uncomfortable, that you're going to make other people feel uncomfortable. So there's an editing that happens. And when that editing happens, what happens in organizations, in our culture, in our society, we actually remove those experiences and we can't learn and grow from them. So this whole concept of not moving into diversity about Bill 62 is really about editing thought. And to me, that's a very big brother. Did you see a movie called The Big Sick, which came out earlier this year? I have not seen that movie. Are you familiar with it? No, I'm not familiar with it. I'll just very quickly explain the concept. It stars, uh, I believe his name is Kumail Nanjiani from Silicon Valley, Mm -hmm. and uh, I believe he's from Pakistan. He's Pakistani, yep. So it's kind of an autobiographical film about him and his Caucasian girlfriend, Mm -hmm. and uh, she ends up sick in the hospital, and he hasn't met her family yet, so the circumstances in which he meets her parents are super awkward. Um, And there's a scene where, I didn't see it, but it's in the trailer, where Ray Romano is her dad, Mm -hmm. and he says to Kumail, so, uh, you know, I've always wanted to talk to someone like you about... uh, you know, get what are your thoughts on uh, 9-11? And, uh, <laughs> and it was super awkward because he was trying to ask, I think, a genuine question. Right. And, uh, but it ended up just, he, he, he bobbled it really bad. Yeah. Well, what happened there is actually what we call a microaggression. And microaggressions are these, they're verbal, nonverbal, and actually institutional as well, too, when we think about culture. Means of slights of derogation towards uh, people in minority populations that are unintentional and generally well-meaning, but they do reflect those people's worldview. And so every model of cross-cultural competence actually suggests that the first thing we need to do is when we think about cross-cultural competence, and I would argue in moving towards a uh, sense of diversity and inclusion, the first thing we need to do is look at our own biases and our own self. You know, what is our culture? How do we see the world? Because what happens is then... If we approach diversity as just wanting to learn about the other, it's kind of like a bunch of goldfish outside the goldfish bowl looking inside a goldfish bowl at other people. And that feel, that image is kind of silly mm. because at the end of the day, we're all goldfish. So if we are going to look at our environment, we need to think about ourselves and this goldfish bowl and how we interact well with other goldfish. Now, all I can think about when you're making these last two points was the idea of just, you know, being happy to be at the party. Yeah. I'm just happy to have this yeah. job. And that stifles creativity, right? Because yeah. it's not until you feel comfortable to express yourself that you can actually uh, create a, a creative environment. And and, and, yeah. and that, that's too bad when we can't do that. And so if, if I may, I, I mean, one of the things I think is really important for people to consider are what are the institutional microaggressions? What are the institutional barriers that we have? And I'll, I'll give you a, a more prominent example. And I, I've often given this example. But take a look at all the superheroes out there. You know, I've got a son who's four years old who just loves superheroes. And it's sad that when he looks at them, he is not reflected in them. And that's a really good example of an institutional microaggression. You know, that's in culture and society. And do we have that happening in other aspects of our organizations? You know, um, do people from different backgrounds see themselves reflected in society when in Canada, at least one in five considers themselves to be a visible minority. At least one in five, an overlapping group is foreign born. 
I get worked up by some of the text messages, and I've shown you some of these text yeah. messages, messages here, Dr. Abdul Raymond, including one that says, um, I'm turning you guys off. This came in at 8.51, so about four minutes into our conversation. I'm turning you guys off. I'm tired of hearing about this. And all I said was, well, see you later. <laughs> and uh, the text messenger slash former listener, I, I'm to presume, uh, don't think you will. And it's unfortunate in mm-hmm. my mind that people close their minds, close their ears to the types of conversations that are, we acknowledge they're difficult to have, but but we're willing to have them for better understanding. And I don't know why you wouldn't want to stick around and hear what this very intelligent man, this doctor has to say with a unique perspective, because you're a person of color. I am a person of color. Yeah. You can tell by my name. Did you know? (laughs) Did you know? (laughs) Where is this news to you? I just let the cat out of the bag. But yeah, those are the sorts of things that we deal with, right? As a conversation that people don't want to go. So what about this? What about white discrimination? It is now prevalent in almost all major companies. Mm. It also pushed, uh, it's also pushed in all leftist universities. So that's, you know, I I think the people who are writing, I really have valid points. They need to be talking about these things. And I think sometimes when they don't have a venue to be able to ask these questions, they just don't get answered. And uh, it's easy to feel frustrated at those kinds of things. So, but I think we should have open and honest discussions and that there are venues and places that we can do that. This might be one of those places. So what about white discrimination? Okay, I mean, by definition, racism is, that doesn't work that way. Um, racism it, is racism. Yeah, I mean, you know, Google or YouTube, a thing, um, you know, reverse racism, have a, you know, Look at a YouTube clip on that. I think it's, it's self-explanatory. But but the point here is that I think what this gentleman is saying is that it often feels like the tide has turned, that it does create this sensitivity to, you know, um, people from marginalized groups or, you know, who are from ethnic and cultural minorities. And it, are, it can often leave certain people feeling left out. Um now, that is not a form of, di- that's not reverse racism. That's just sometimes an overly sensitive response to those kinds of things. And I think when we are looking at the, these kinds of issues, we need to rely on statistics and facts and science. And those things suggest that racism has not gone down and actually has gone up. So, for example, with Islamophobia, um, you know, my people, uh, that rate of discrimination, Islamophobia, has gone up 60% in the past year. Sixty percent. So that's not to say that you know it's not like in Canada it's gone up. In Canada, sixty percent. So you know, I want this person to feel heard. Um, This is not about leaving people out. This is about being inclusive. I saw some of those texts there, and like, what about Christmas? We can't celebrate Christmas. We should be able to celebrate Christmas. We don't celebrate Christmas, but my kid has reindeer pajamas. The idea here is that you know we can't be so exclusive to cut people out. This isn't about not celebrating those things. It's about celebrating the inclusivity and the diversity of who we are. So uh, when you hear people say things like, I know that there are still people who say things like, uh, well, why can't I use the N-word? Black people use it. Yeah, you know what tends to happen in these these kinds of discussions, and I saw another one here, it's, um, you know, what about the issue of security? Well, what tends to happen is we tend to take an egocentric perspective. And, you know, we go back to that model of cultural competence, but when we want to kind of grow as people to become more inclusive, and I think grow in terms of our flexibility and our thinking, we have to first start thinking about ourselves. We have to think about how flexible we are in our thinking, 
what are our biases? That scares people because like, you know, I'm not a racist. I don't have biases. We all have biases. And they comes in different cultural groups. You know, there's this concept of colorism. Actually, people have heard this concept of colorism where even within uh, communities of color, there's still this preference for people who are lighter skinned, right? So bias does exist across the board. And I think it's important we talk about it. So those beliefs that we often have, you know, this fear about, you know, being excluded, this fear of security, you know, the truth is those are all based on false information. They're all not realistic thoughts. Um, it's all false information. We need good, true, hard information. And if we're willing to listen to that information, then maybe we can change our points of view. The thing is that some people don't want to be able to change those thoughts. And if they don't want to be able to change those thoughts, it's usually reflective of an internal conflict or a struggle of them feeling left out. Um, and I, I want I want those listeners to know that I hear what you're saying. Um, it's just that I'd like you to hear what I'm saying too. Well, you know, and and here's something uh, from, boy, this has to go back 20 years. A study, and this has nothing to do with color, religion, country of origin. It had to do with regionalism and people from North Carolina, South Carolina, mm-hmm. uh, Georgia, Texas. Uh, people with that southern twang mm. are perceived to be about 10 to 20% less intelligent mm. by those from other parts of the United States that don't speak with that twang. Yeah. So that this doesn't this isn't always about what we're talking about. We have those inherent biases uh, based on on different things and, and the way we've grown up. And yeah. the first thing we need to do is admit that we have those biases to get past them. What you're talking about is this thing called the narcissism of small differences that, you know, we typically as human beings are drawn to this. We like to kind of fit ourselves into small groups. And so we even look for these small differences, you know, like think of the number of times a Canadian is mistaken as American. And we're kind of offended. We're like, I am not American. I am Canadian, damn it. Uh, well, um, <laughs> totally true. You know, well, we're actually pretty similar, you know, like, um, but we're so tied to that. But the truth is that we're not all that different, you know, and there's a win love tip that we have, you know, talk to people that are different than you. And what what we realize is the more we have those conversations is actually there's less and less differences, that there are common values across the world, across regions. And when we tap into that, we have a more harmonious kind of sense of relationship and we tend not to do that. And as we talked earlier, when we hush hush these kinds of difficulties, we tend to minimize the chances of actually succeeding and being more harmonious because those differences exist. We just don't talk about them and that creates those divisions. We've got to let you go in a minute here, but before we do that, what's your reaction when you see uh, any kind of social media backlash? For example, what was the ad campaign that just blew up? Was it Dove? That was the Dove campaign. The yeah. Dove thing. Did you see that ad with the, yeah. where the black woman became a white woman, became yeah. a, another woman? Yeah. And there was an immediate outrage to that. Yeah. Uh, you know, clearly Dove had, their intention was not that, but that's how it was interpreted. Right. So when you see that, what's your reaction to the outrage? Well, so remember we were talking about this whole concept of white superheroes, right? And institutional microaggressions. And that's an example of a microaggression. Is like, sometimes we're just not mindful about how things come across to other people. Um, but there are things that we can do that can offend other people. Now, that doesn't mean we have to die on a cross for that. But it doesn't mean we have to sometimes take responsibility and go, you know what? We need to do a better job of that. And it's fair. If Dove took responsibility for that, that's awesome. Uh, but what that does do is make people feel heard. It makes people feel understood and that engages them more. When we set up these institutional microaggressions that separate people, 
we actually reduce their and their ability to involve themselves in organizations in society and then we become a really kind of homogeneous and kind of boring society and nobody wants that but do you really think that was a microaggression the way that they that ad because the the black woman went first and then the white woman came second, yeah. that's a microaggression? Yeah, well, sometimes it can reflect, you know, sometimes they're just unfortunate tone-deaf kind of things. But in a society, in a world where, you know, discrimination against African-American people is still pretty prevalent, those are things we need to be mindful of. And it doesn't mean we need to kind of burn down the Dove building, uh, <laughs> but it does mean we need to have a conversation with Dove to say, hey, Dove, you know, that was totally insensitive. And, you know, they can say, you know, we totally didn't mean that. Let's correct it. Uh and that's the kind of discussion we need. Instead of, you know, getting hurt and upset at each other, just have those discussions. Dr. Raymond Abdul-Raymond is a psychologist with Clinic Psychology Manitoba. And uh, thank you very much for joining us for Psychology in the City. We appreciate your time. Pleasure. And thanks for sticking around for an extra segment. We appreciate that. The Start On Demand is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere you find your favorite podcasts.